Let the beast about the cage That light about the dark Can you build the inferno From an itty bitty spark Coffee shop hustlers Rise with the cream A million of the writers Same Hollywood dream Your pen and paper All like bullets in the gun Write what you feel Say what you want In the red We say what we say We do what we feel We gotta keep it real In the red All about the crap So look, if you guys are grown, let's go ahead and get in. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest. You guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room, where we keep it real, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what, Lisa, Lisa? 2016. I was trying to find this picture to show you really fast. Can I introduce the show first? To make you guys jealous. <laughs> What's your dog? No, no. It's what? the new uh, pictures from Sir Idris. Uh, Elba and the Dark Terror that's series. Her, that's our dude. Right they have there. the new photos out. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Him being Roland. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> that's all you <laughs> I can't find the picture. That's all right. <clears throat> so, you guys know how we do it on the Rant Room. On this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. So, you can cuss on my show. <laughs> <laughs> so, you guys hear her voice. That's Lisa Bullock. She's like, what? <laughs> What's going on? That's Lisa Bolakaja. We call her the Street Nerdist, aka the Black Gidget of Mission Beach, mm-hmm. Queen of Sophista Ratchet. <laughs> Sophista. <laughs> <laughs> We're a little silly, as you see, right? <laughs> you can speak. I'm, I'm just thinking about that domain name, Sophista Ratchet. Oh wanna, yeah, you should yeah. buy it now, girl. Mm. It'll be thirty dollars now. It'll be okay. six hundred dollars next week. <laughs> Get you a woman who can do both. That's <laughs> mm-hmm. what's up. So, you guys know how we do it on the rant room. So, if you guys are grown, let's go ahead and get it in. So, today, we got my man on the show. <clears throat> Excuse me, about to choke on myself. Um, Jason Brubaker, uh, writer, producer. Uh, can I call you an author? You what can, do you wanna? You can call me an author. Because you, you're, you're, you're a filmmaking guy, right? It's a, yeah, yeah. You, and I know uh, you and I kind of met through sure. my blog and we website. Uh, it's called filmmakingstuff.com, where we mm-hmm. show you how to make market and sell your movie without the middleman and for those of you listening just getting to know me i'm sure we'll Mm -hmm. dive into this but i work full-time in film distribution so a lot of people i guess the blog came well before working in film distribution but i I started blogging years ago after we released our first feature film in terms of how we were able to market it on Mm -hmm. amazon Mm -hmm. at a time when not too many people were doing that and then the blog started to grow so he he pretended like he was first. No, he was no no he was ahead in the car. No, because honestly, people He's like I did it first. I pe- did it first. People weren't thinking that because a lot of times people just thought of Amazon. It's like you know books, mm-hmm. you know, and like you know for someone to jump in and be like we're going to do film, people would have been like what you buy mm-hmm. film now you can buy everything on Amazon. So you were ahead of the curve. Well, I mean, if you think about you were visionary. <laughs> <laughs> and I, 
And it, You're giving him too much credit. Too much. <laughs> Embrace it. No, here I am. Embrace no, it. I'm not uh, in any way trying to be pompous or say that I'm the first. Uh, it was just, there was a time when if you had to distribute your movie through an outlet like Amazon mm-hmm. and do it yourself, it was seen as like, oh, you're not a real filmmaker. Yep. Uh, you're not a real filmmaker. seen as less than, yeah. And less. So when you were talking about self-distribution, there, they were, st- in the filmmaking mm-hmm. culture, it was like, what are you doing self-distributing? Mm-hmm. What, you can't get a real distributor? Mm-hmm. You can't make a real film? Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I have to uh, give a little bit of credit to my buddy, uh, Joseph Ort. Um, he always like ribs me a little bit. He's like, you know, I, I was the one who told you about Amazon, and he did. And, uh, <laughs> He's like, where am I ten percent? Right. Wait, wait. Every conversation with him is like, you do remember? Yeah, it does. <laughs> it's, it's become it's become a lot like that. So uh, anyway, Joseph, if you're listening, uh, here you go. But uh, yeah, so I started. We put our film on on the Amazon, and we had a little bit of success because with that first film, we had all this website traffic coming back to our own website. And I was like, what if we just put a big buy now button on the site and drive people to Amazon? And it took us, because it wasn't culturally significant uh, or the norm in any way, it took us about seven months to decide that it was okay to put a buy now button on our website. Yeah, because like most independent filmmakers, we didn't want to do that because we were afraid that somehow that would hold us back from mm-hmm. the multi-million dollar deal, mm-hmm. you know, that was in the pipeline from Lionsgate. <laughs> and, and this, this is how it was, it was coming. That was hurtling our way. And now, you know, we're in 2016 mm-hmm. and I'm still talking to filmmakers all the time, every day. I, you know, my uh, through the blog and everything, it's evolved and, and one thing leads to another. Mm-hmm. I meet people and now I'm working full time for a company called Distriber. Um, which is a little bit disruptive in the distribution community. Okay. We're, because of our What do you deals, mean, in what way? Like, why? Well, if you look at a traditional, let, let me take a step back. Sure, sure. Let's say, and you guys talk about screenwriting a lot. Let's say that a screenwriter gets together with an independent filmmaker and you mm-hmm. make a film. You got to get that film out to market. So there's sure. two ways to do it. One is uh, the self-distribution route that I was beginning to talk about a little bit, mm-hmm. and we'll dive into that a little bit sure, more. Sure, sure, sure. Teach them. But uh, <laughs> the other way is more of the traditional distribution route, where you find a distributor mm-hmm. that has deals with iTunes and Google Play and mm-hmm. uh, Vudu and, and you name it, and you say, okay, Mr. Distributor, I will give you a percentage of my film's rights for the next five to seven years, and mm-hmm. in exchange, you get it in all these platforms and you please just go ahead and quote unquote market this thing and mm-hmm. do better with the film than I could do on my own. Sure. But what we're finding is a lot of these distributors out there that are sort of the gatekeepers, they're not really staffed to do the kind of marketing push that, say, a Lionsgate could do. Right. Mm-hmm. Because you're talking, most of these companies have five to 15 people on staff. And they're trying to pick up anywhere from 10 to 20 or more films per month. Mm-hmm. So let's say they're trying to pick up 20 films. Wow, I didn't realize that many. That's a lot. Some of these. Okay. And, and, and look, there's, there's all, and, and uh, it goes the range out there. there. There's people like boutique distributors that might mm-hmm. pick up four films a year and they'll mm-hmm. really get behind them. Right. Mm-hmm. And then there's volume distributors uh, that the more they pick up, the more they're hoping that one of those wins, right? So what happens now is a lot of filmmakers say, okay, I'm going to sign with this volume distributor, but now by month number three, they've gone out and they've already acquired, if they're doing 20 films a month, Mm -hmm. they've acquired 59 other films and yours is sort of buried. Mm -hmm. So the big question for filmmakers is, what is that distributor even capable of after month number three to help present value to your film. Mm -hmm. And granted, they can get good Netflix deals. They might be able to get a good Showtime deal, Mm -hmm. whatever. But if they can't, and you're kind of buried underneath that stack of films, Mm -hmm. 
it's, it goes back on you. If, right. it, if it's going to be successful, the filmmaker still has to hustle. Mm -hmm. But here's the, here's the rub. Because you signed this five to seven year deal, X <laughs> number stuck. percent, 15 to 30% <laughs> yeah. goes back to the distributor for all of your efforts. Mm. So the company I'm working with, Distributor, mm -hmm. we're like, well, what if we just give filmmakers access? They pay for their own deliverables up front. So they pay for ingestion, encoding, quality control, review, delivery, and accounting. Mm -hmm. We give them access to the platforms. But instead of taking 30% or whatever for you know the wonderful gatekeeping <laughs> mm -hmm. deal that most distributors <laughs> offer, we just say, you know what? You keep 100% of your revenue. What? So... Distributor makes their money oh, up front. Why? How, do they, how do they make their money, though? Distributor makes their money up front um, through the upfront fees that Got we it. charge, okay. you know, uh, all the things I just mentioned. Because distributor's two parts. They, that, they, does that depend on the budget of the film and stuff like that? Or not, what, what no, is that? Really. There's no sliding it's, scale. It's kind of a flat <laughs> fee. All is apart, it? you go to, uh, you know, if you go to the distributor website and you sign up and you go to this menu where you mm -hmm. can choose which platforms you'd like to go on okay. to. And then each one of those has a price, just like a menu. Okay. Okay. So you choose from the mm -hmm. menu services, you pay for that up front. And then the other way they make their money is after that first year's over, they'll charge, you know, a membership fee, a couple hundred bucks a year okay. if you want to keep the film going with distributor. Okay. So Got it. it's a, definitely a volume play, but now mm -hmm. we can feel good about getting as many titles as right. we can per month right. because we're not promising like the big marketing thing that other distributors promise. But again, these, a lot of these other volume distributors just aren't. They don't have enough staff yeah. to really sure. do it justice or, sure. or enough of a budget to really market it. So it's been a really interesting, disruptive uh, couple years in terms of distribution. And I mm -hmm. think in years to come, we're going to see more and more of that. Mm -hmm. um, that was a way big monologue, and, and I don't want to no, make no, no, that, I, no, that's <laughs> important stuff. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. that's important stuff because now, like you know, we talked about this in one of our, our last uh, later episodes a couple while back when we was talking about how. Our, our, how we watch films and TV has changed so much and how mm -hmm. I do my own programming for mm -hmm. my shows and how now I just want access like I, it could be a film I, there's no stigma to me with a film now because back in the old days mm -hmm. if it went straight to DVD mm -hmm. it was like ooh something's wrong it wasn't mm -hmm. that good right right right, right. You know? yeah. now, now it's intentional now, 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 yeah and now yeah. it's like I wish movies now because I'm not I don't want to go to the theater I mm -hmm. want to see your movie but you know what I got the better snacks and the more comfortable couch and the mm -hmm. nicer TV here mm -hmm. like as soon as that movie okay, comes we out bought a 70 where can, yeah, yeah where can I just go ahead I want to see the bitch where can I just go ahead and just yes. download the film, pay, even if I, if I want to buy the film outright, mm -hmm. you know, and just pay for it right then and there the moment it comes out as mm -hmm. opposed to waiting for, you know, some other person to, well, maybe they'll put it out. Sure. There's just new ways of, of getting product out there. And this is stuff we need to know, especially a lot of us, especially the filmmakers are, are new that are coming out. They forget that whole other part of the mm -hmm. filmmaking process. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, we got the film made. But now the other thing that could kill mm -hmm. you is the distribution and how to get the product out Correct. there. Because you can make a film, yay! Correct. But if nobody sees it or you don't have access to platforms to get it out there, it, well, you've got a bunch let me, of, let me just, of guys in, in your house. Yeah, yep, it's yep. in your closet. <laughs> let, let me just ask a little bit of your backstory because I know you're also a filmmaker and you've you know yeah. produced films and whatever. Can you just tell us a little bit about your background? And then I want to get into... Um, um, more of your guide on how you, how filmmakers you know go from making the film to distribution. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Well, my background is like a like a lot of you and mm -hmm. like everybody listening to this. There was that that dumb bug that you pick up somewhere <laughs> in your life, and you're like, oh, you know, maybe I can do this. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> I can maybe, be Spielberg. Maybe, maybe I should stay in my hometown and, and buy a yeah. house and like have a nice family uh, and like. I'm better than Scorsese. We ain't doing. I have a backyard. And, yeah, no, you, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And uh, 
but I got the bug. I, I made a I made a short film. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I went to college at some state school called Bloomsburg University in yeah. Pennsylvania. We didn't have a film program, but one summer. Mm-hmm. I saw this uh, thing and it was like, hey, if you're staying here this summer, there's this class where you all buck up $1,000 and you make a short film. And this was a time mm-hmm. when you actually shot on film. Mm-hmm. So oh, I did. Oh, I, I bucked up and uh, we shot this 16 millimeter short and Ooh. I was one of the co-writers and directors yeah. on it. And mm-hmm. and I just, I caught the bug. And you I'm got like, infected. Yes. That'll get it you. Gotcha. That'll get you. It'll get you. It'll get you. When you're, when you're loading that film camera, <laughs> if you remember, and you're like, there's something oddly spiritual and sacred about it. I don't mean to get all goofy. Be you, be you. It's all we, good. It's we all got good. this. We got this film back, and and in retrospect, it's the biggest load of crap you'll ever watch. And I'm so embarrassed. But at that time, like all filmmakers, I'm like, this right. is fantastic. Yeah, like you're saying, like I'm yes. Scorsese. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a terrible, it's a terrible film. Mm-hmm. And uh, but uh, then I go back to my parents' house and again in small town Pennsylvania, and I'm mm. like, I want to go to you know be a filmmaker. And everybody's like, dude, you got two choices here: work at the factory or work on a farm. Yeah. And I was like, neither of those make make uh, sense to me. Family business or uh-huh. something, right? That's yeah. Well, following my footsteps. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There's you a can lot. have all this and make thirty thousand dollars a year. He's talking about <laughs> <laughs> living the life. You know, and, and that was my joke earlier, though. But now you know, you I've been in L.A. here and the grind and all that kind of stuff for. <laughs> Wow. That's oh, the, yeah, you know what? Having a backyard seems kind of nice. Wasn't bad, right? Your priority shift. <laughs> exactly. But from that point, uh, you know, I was so silly. I was I was in uh, Pennsylvania, and I was sending resumes to major motion picture really? studios trying to get... I was like, I'll just come on and carry cables. I I'll love that naiveness, though. Yeah. yeah I, I feel you. Uh-huh. <laughs> Nobody ever responded to me. Yeah. Uh, but I did find work. I, I just started cold calling local film and video production companies that would make little commercials and instructional videos and corporate videos. Mm -hmm. And again, nobody would really pay attention to me, but I found this one guy, uh, Joe Surges, at uh, this place called Kennedy Lee Film and Video Productions in Pennsylvania. <laughs> it was like, all right, come in and interview with me. It was like a four-hour interview. <laughs> and, and then at the end, he's like, he's like, I really like you. I like your passion. Yeah. You know, you kind of remind me of where I was. And, and he's like, here's the deal. <laughs> like, we're not, we're not making a whole lot of money here, and I can't really, I can't really hire you. There's a thing called intern. <laughs> yeah, he, he did do one step better to his credit. He was like, but there's this janitorial service that comes in Tuesdays and Thursdays to clean the toilet. He was like, do you want that? I'll just fire the janitorial service. And I was so enthusiastic. I was like, yeah. Really? Absolutely, I'll take that. Because I, I hey, you got to work your way you from the bottom it. to the top. Yeah. Well, and, and you can imagine, and I'm yeah. just like, you know, younger and more mm. naive, and, but more excited, like filled with this excitement because. I'm in the movie business. In a way, I was. <laughs> yes. Like, yes. a very small tip of it, but I'm very, very out there. And it should come we doing weddings and shit. Okay. <laughs> hey, to, to their credit, though. Um, and I don't know if the film's still there, but if you ever go to Hershey Park, you go through this thing called Chocolate World. They oh. made one of the original oh, instruction really? instructional videos for how okay. chocolate was made. Okay. Uh, but it was anyway. The, the point <laughs> being is, I, I was uh, I was mopping floors and, and scrubbing toilets, and and what was cool is they would take me. They started taking me out on shoots okay. whenever. And I mean, they were only paying me like eight dollars an hour, so mm-hmm. it wasn't like right. it was totally breaking the bank. Mm-hmm. And I I just got around all these people that had been doing it for years, and we shot sixty millimeter, and sometimes we shot 35 millimeter Um, so it was it it was a good education but one of the former interns 
had gone his own way, and he had ended up in New York City as a producer of corporate videos. And one night I got a call from him, and he was like, Joe said you're looking to get into a bigger market. I got this shoot coming up. Do you want (laughs) to? And so I hopped on Amtrak and I went into New York City. <laughs> and uh, wait, but who's cleaning up the office know, back there? Did you let them know? Like, look. <laughs> okay. So I, everybody knew it was it was happening, but I ended up there in New York City, and suddenly it's more of the same. Except now you're in the Big Apple, and I'm mm-hmm. carrying cables, and I'm just mm-hmm. fetching coffee. And then that day, like one of the camera guys didn't show up, so they were like, oh. "I need you to run camera." Some there were the headphones, and I'm just living like enjoying life. And at the end of the day. My my day rate went from a hundred dollars to hundred and fifty. That's not uh, bad. Because yeah. I became a camera guy, uh-huh. and uh, <laughs> and and then when I'm riding back that night on Amtrak, which <laughs> by the way is like a three and a half hour ride, um, I realized that all the money I spent for the train and everything, I probably made five dollars on the deal. <laughs> but it was one of the best one of the best days of my life. So. I ended up moving to New York City shortly thereafter and mm-hmm. did some more work with that guy, and then mm-hmm. I found. Uh, an indie producer that had made a few features and he needed some help. And I, I, mm-hmm. I guess really what happened for me is I, w- I was so enthusiastic that I, I literally had a film and video directory when I first moved to New York and I just started cold calling people and yeah. I'd get a receptionist. I was like, could you please help me? I'm new to town. I really you have want to- no, I don't mean to interrupt you. Do you know how many people we've interviewed who said they did that, mm-hmm. who were successful? You know what I mean? Who had that hustle? Yeah. Who were willing to do whatever it fucking took to get in? Okay. You know what I mean? We keep going. I'm fast. No, no, but uh, you know, so now uh, I've been at this game for a while, probably about 16 years now at this point, Mm -hmm. and uh, now people are hustling me sometimes, Mm -hmm. and I and I got to say, I test them sometimes. They'll call me once, and I'm like, "Eh." and they'll call me again. I'm like, "Eh." and. and it's the people who call me like five. It's the people who call me like five or six times with yeah. with the ability to be persistent without being annoying. Then I'm like, okay, let me see uh-huh. how I can help this person. Uh-huh. And it's interesting because, and, and I've had conversations with other people that you know have, like you mentioned, have gone through mm-hmm. it. And there's a certain like camaraderie or fraternity, yes. or you know, mm-hmm. you've been through it. You, you respect. know, respect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a respect for mm-hmm. people because it's not easy to pick up the phone mm-hmm. and call somebody you don't oh my know. God. Then people hang up on you. That's mm-hmm. always fun. <laughs> but I remember distinctly, I, I just couldn't find like steady work to save my life. But mm-hmm. I kept saying to myself, I was like, something's got to break. Something's got to give. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to happen. I'm only one call away. Mm-hmm. And through all those dials, you know, eventually I found a soft spot, which led to more stuff, which led to more work. And mm-hmm. um, fast forward. So I'm working on this uh, picture in New York, which was like this $1.5 million film or Is whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a big mm-hmm. deal for me. Mm-hmm. And I went to breakfast uh, one morning with the producer and his partner, and they were like, oh, by the way, our production fell apart. There's no more. And now I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's great, because I don't have any money. So I had to move back home to Pennsylvania after wow. New York. I um, love these stories. Yeah, I love and, these I, stories. and I, what I just shared with you was about yeah. eight months of hustle. <laughs> oh, good Lord. And, uh, and then I go back to Pennsylvania, and now I feel terrible because mm-hmm. everything failed. And my mom, if you guys, you know Mary Kay Cosmetics? Oh, yeah. Yes. My mom was selling Mary Kay, so she painted my old bedroom pink <laughs> and, and, and turned it into a Mary Kay studio. So now I'm back in my parents' house, just surrounded by Mary Kay, and I feel just... I feel awful about my life. (laughs) (laughs) This is a great story. That's hilarious. (laughs) 
it sounds like a TV show. Yeah. Like, That's hilarious. You come back in your bags, open the yeah. door, and it's yeah. Mary Kay. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I, and, and here's the thing, too, and, and I'm, I usually try not to go into this much detail, but, uh, oh, you know. Oh, fun, dude. No, this is, this is it, it's so easy for people to be like, oh, you, you're doing a cool job or whatever. Mm-hmm. That looks so easy. You're so lucky. And mm-hmm. I'm like. No man, you don't get it. Like the hustle behind it. <laughs> these jobs aren't easy to get, and, and it takes a lot, uh, as everybody knows. But I, so so that was the first time that I that I really got my butt kicked, you know, mm-hmm. and and where everything fell apart, and I felt, you know, just terrible. And and again, luckily, my my buddy Joe that I keep mentioning, mm-hmm. he was uh, a mentor throughout this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I'd called him on the phone right after the New York thing fell apart. And he was like, he was like, get your ass off the ground. I was like, what are you talking about? Hmm. He's like, this is a bloody nose. Welcome to the real world. This is going to yeah. happen to you repeatedly real throughout talk. your life. Okay. Real talk. And he's like, yeah. you know, get your ass up, quit crying and uh-huh. go figure out your next step. Yeah. And for me, the only option I had was to leave New York, which mm. nobody wants to do that because yeah. you feel when you come from a small town. Mm-hmm. And I went back home and, and I found the job um, and you know, I'm fast forwarding a bit, no, but, fine, fine. but I eventually found a job selling mobile phones in a mall, right? <laughs> but I did it like an hour away from my high school because oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't want any of my yeah. friends that thought that I was like a big shot <laughs> to see that everything falling apart. I'm selling Yo, was that Jason in the, the, yeah. the kiosk? No, exactly. I heard. I heard. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's a little bit of ego yes. that goes with yes. this stuff, you know? I have the same thing where when I first I moved to LA to be, to be an actor years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. And and you know, all my life I had all these successes, did all these national commercials and whatever. Moved to LA, got a couple jobs, and then it would be stale and then all of a sudden I'd be on TV or whatever. And I would never go home unless I had something. Interesting, yeah. So I can relate to that in yeah. the sense of, you know what I mean? Like, you don't want anybody to see you if you haven't quite. So I'll be there like, once a year, bitch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, look. I feel you. I feel you. And, it, and, and it's funny, and I'm sure, you know, uh, a lot of people listening to this can relate to it. Then as you progress in your career, mm-hmm. like now, I just, I know that there's going to be more crappy times in life. That's just part of it. Right. And the other thing I've learned through experience is, is people could really give two shits about you. Sure. At the end of the day, like they care more about themselves than you. So this whole idea of being embarrassed about yeah. something that doesn't fall apart, at least mm-hmm. you had the guts to do something yep. mm. and pursue it where most people would just talk about it or yeah. complain Correct. or blame their life yeah. circumstance on mm-hmm. something else. Like, right. oh, I can't do it because I don't like the president. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. like the president's holding you back from, <laughs> from, from, from moving and, and trying to pursue your passion. Exactly. <laughs> you know? they, they got an excuse for everything. And, and it's a terrible thing. And, right. and like, I want to friend all of you know, all those people on my Facebook page that just make my life feel miserable and I'm like this is why I moved away oh my god uh, but you know so I I my goal there I sold um I was I just saved up enough money to move to California and then some like other bright interesting thing happened too one day I sold a phone to this lady and she was like I really like the way you present yourself. You should come interview for my company. Really? And I was like, well, you know, I'm kind of moving to LA. I got this whole thing lined up. I want to, you know, get mm. into movies and continue what I was doing in New York. She's like, oh, that's amazing because we have this position open in Los Angeles. <laughs> and that kind of thing makes you believe in a Shut higher power. I swear that happened. And it makes you believe that. Oh, my God. Because, you know, there's a certain sense in life that, um, and I believe this and whatever your, your background is, mm-hmm. but there's a certain sense in life that if you focus on something, you know, the odds of you achieving that thing, you know, bringing it into your life is mm-hmm. just so much 
more probable yeah. than if you're just out there bouncing around like a ping <laughs> or like a um, well, ping pong ball, whatever. But you know, you're just bouncing <laughs> right. off the walls yeah, or whatever. Understood. Understood. You know, and and uh, so I got this job with the bank, and and it was in the student loan business. And all I had to do for this job was I took people out to lunch and made friends with people, <laughs> and they'd start marketing student loans. And and I'm almost like. <laughs> At that time, though, I was like, oh, yeah, I earned this. I was in New York. I was yeah, on an inflatable yeah, yeah. air mattress. I got beat up. So, therefore, the universe is giving me the gift of success um, because clearly I've earned it. And so my ego was still young. And I was like, yeah, of course mm -hmm. I paid my dues. And I'm still young enough back then to not realize that, no, dude, the story's not over. Uh -huh. So then that company and, and in that process, I, I came out here and I, I got together with some other people that I knew. And we started doing short films and eventually our first feature. Mm -hmm. But I was able to do that because I had enough freedom with the sales job sure. to where I wasn't bound by a nine to five. Mm -hmm. I could go have a meeting, then work on movie stuff, go back to another meeting. Um, but then that company was acquired by Lehman Brothers. And maybe you've heard uh -huh. of that company. Uh -huh. um, it was the one that the one big bank that drove us yeah. into the economic crisis. Wow. So I remember yeah. the day in 2008, we got the call uh, from our then president of the company. And he was like, as of this, it was all lawyer speak. As of this point, uh, the, you know, your jobs have been terminated and, and you'll be getting a letter in the mail and please. And I just remember like the, the, the phone line going dark and there was this one co coworker I had named Dave. Mm -hmm. And he was like, wait, I have a question. And it was just like, <laughs> and it just Fine. fell, and it just <laughs> fell <laughs> into silence. He's like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> brother man, brother man, brother man. <laughs> no, so what you're saying? No, nobody answered. And you know what happened after that? I, I had another hiccup. Aww. I couldn't find work again uh, to save my life. And Aww. I was out like applying and hustling. I had to move to a smaller apartment and mm -hmm. my bank account was drying up. Oh, All that fantastic man. stuff mm -hmm. that I thought I earned, that I thought I made in life, that now I'm you know, awesome and so smart and you know, all these dumb things, all these dumb things that you think about when you're having a successful streak, mm -hmm. right. which everybody here has experienced, right. mm -hmm. you know, I, I had, that was my big humbling experience to mm -hmm. know, like, and, and I, again, I, I heard this guy, Jim Rohn, he's a public speaker and really well-known guy. Mm -hmm. and I listen to him sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, I passed away, but great, great mm -hmm. stuff. And he talks about the life having seasons. So you got the the, the spring, the mm -hmm. summer, the fall, and the winter. Hmm. And Boy, that and fall, that motherfucker right there. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was right in the winter. That, that was, that was Why summer, does it run in the winter, though? Yeah. The winter, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, funny. And, and now I realize, like, life's going to be like that over and over and over again. And when you're in the spring, when you're in the summer, you better darn well be planning for mm -hmm. your fall and winter right, right. because mm -hmm. it's coming. I mean, if you watch Game of Thrones, they play that theme mm -hmm. a lot. Winter is coming, you know? Yes. And, and it, it gives me goosebumps thinking about uh -huh, it because, funny. you know, uh, and, and so uh, here I am, you know, really in my apartment trying to find gigs and, mm -hmm. and uh, getting a few emails from other filmmakers. And they were like, hey, how did you uh, market your film on Amazon? And that started the Filmmaking oh, Stuff blog. Okay. And I started just blogging about it because mm -hmm. I had the time and mm -hmm. I couldn't find a job. And then that gained some popularity. And mm -hmm. anyway, that that is the full circle, you know, story wow. with both the ups and downs. Um, no, that's a great story because one it, of the things we love – about our show, and that I always try to encourage the guests, you know, tell us those stories of how, like you know real, what I mean? Like how you fell, yeah, the right, grit, and how right? you got up, not, and then I made a movie, yeah, and then yeah, I did, yeah. motherfucker, right. how? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, that, no, you're giving us game. And I we love know, it. And we it. know it's Mary Kay. 
Yeah. It's all that pink Mary Kay. It and it was fault. like, I have to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. The lowest point was when my mom was telling me, hey, you're pretty good at sales. Maybe you should sell some Mary Kay. Uh, I was like, I'm getting the hell out of it. I'm leaving. I'm gone. You don't want a pink Cadillac? <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Can you imagine how, how your life would be different if you, know, if you start selling Mary Kay cosmetics? Like, oh, my God. Sounds like a movie. Okay, yeah. sounds like, like a movie. movie. So, oh so let's talk about the the filmmakers um, checklist. Yeah. So how did that come about? So you started doing, you doing the, blog. the blog. Yeah, and and it didn't come without <clears throat> some experience. We made that first feature, and then I've mm-hmm. been involved in four feature films on the producer side of things. Mm-hmm. And one day I, I I realized I was blogging about all these different aspects of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I, you know what? What if I could just break filmmaking into its bare essentials? Mm-hmm. And and I thought through the process that we use to make these features, mm-hmm. and I just came up with what amounts to sixty five steps. Mm-hmm. And and of course, and I they're got, the basic of basic. I mean, if any idiot, it's like boom, should boom, be able boom, to figure boom, this boom, out. Right. If you follow these steps, damn it, you can make a move. And I've updated it through sure, the years sure. to add some more stuff, but I, I still get some criticism where people are like, number one is money. And I'm like, well, look. No, bitch. <laughs> so not. if you're going to follow sort of a professional mm-hmm. guideline, first you need the screenplay, right? Yes. Then you break the screenplay into mm-hmm. its elements. Then you create a schedule. And then out of the schedule, you create a budget. Mm-hmm. Out of the budget, you create a business plan. I mean, mm-hmm. when you follow the steps, like the money part's answered. Correct. But in, And I get other criticism, too, because I'm like, Because oh. without having a business plan, who's going to give you some money? What are you talking about? <laughs> you know what I mean? Who is you? Okay, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, you know, directly applicable to screenwriters and stuff i think there's something shifting in the marketplace Mm -hmm. and and the reason why i'm so passionate about distribution which is probably the least sexy part of this Mm -hmm. entire business i see it as the most essential because if you Mm -hmm. can do distribution and kind of work your way back Mm -hmm. you can actually create product that your marketplace at least has a desire for it's not saying that it's going to be slam dunk Mm -hmm. if it was every movie studio in town would be way better than they are um but when I when I see it through the lens of like, okay, so how is this thing going to sell? How many units does somebody have to sell in order to break even? Mm-hmm. You know, I start asking those tough questions, and I think if more filmmakers did it, you know, they'd be a little bit more successful than what you were saying at the beginning. Like, mm-hmm. I got a movie now, mm-hmm. what? Right. You know, mm-hmm. and, and and so from a trust screen- me, I get the emails <laughs> every day. <laughs> I got a movie. Can you do this? I'm like, no, bitch. Uh, you need to call Jason. <laughs> I told you. Five times. Five, five, five. Five, 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 six, six, three, four. Please know my man. You know, but to that end, just the other part of that is know a little bit about what I do day to day. Because I may not be able to offer value to the person that is, is, is contacting me from some country that's not the United mm-hmm. States with a little bit of broken English saying, right. Mr. Jason. Right. Please send me $1.5 million. I promise you, I make good movies. Yeah. I'll like, be looking like, is this Nigeria? I, I, is, that my, is that my Nigerian prince? Uh, my prince has come, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get, I get yeah, emails from, from aspiring screenwriters and mm-hmm. they're like, I, I make screenplay good. And you and, give me and, money. And, Do it. And yeah. please read now. And I'm like, it's like, mm, I got I got to make a way for them to understand and give them some tools mm-hmm. to help them out. You need no unsolicited materials. On yes. I'm just blown away sometimes by the by the small amount of thought and effort mm-hmm. that goes into even approaching somebody that may be able to help. It's just always mm-hmm. been part of like my, my thinking maybe because I'm kind of a salesy guy and I mm-hmm. always think about, you know, what value can I bring to this right. person? The, sure. the number one question in sales is what's in it for the other person? Mm-hmm. 
And very few people will ever answer that when they're approaching somebody that they mm -hmm. want to meet. You yeah. know, how can, how can I bring value to this person's life? Right. Um, the reason, by the way, that, that I got this gig at Distriber and, and that came about is because on filmmaking stuff, people kept saying, how do I get my film on iTunes? Yeah. And at one point I reached out to Distriber and I was like, hey, I want to drive a bunch of people to you because they're asking me about iTunes. And after you drive X number of people, you know, and present X, no, X number of dollars of value, well, suddenly the CEO of the company is okay to talk to you. Okay. And I mean, like, what a great way to open a door for yourself right. to present value first. Right. And then ask for a favor later. Right. You know, right. or sometimes you don't even have to ask for a favor because it's so obvious to the other person what you're looking for yeah. anyway. Right. And, and because you're trusted. Um, that was a big segue away from the, the filmmaker checklist. Oh, but fine, fine. but I, I just think, you know, if you're aspiring to do something more, for me, the recipe is always let's find a company or a person that's already doing that thing mm -hmm. and figure out what is it that they're doing? What are they doing the right way? Right. Mm -hmm. And emailing blindly saying, I got the greatest screenplay on earth. And please, <laughs> please produce it next week. And I only need $10 million. Mm -hmm. you, you know, I get those emails so much mm -hmm. as I'm sure you do. Mm -hmm. And it's not the correct approach because well, A, for me, I'm thinking of it from a film distribution standpoint. Mm. And I'm like, how the hell are you ever going to recoup $10 million in the digital marketplace? <laughs> I mean, what, who, who's attached to this? Right. Tom Cruise? Okay, that's a different conversation. Sure, but right. no, my, bro, my buddy down the street. Like, Come on. <laughs> that's why we have to have these conversations yeah. to let people know because people don't know. They just mm -hmm. think I could just do this. But mm -hmm. hopefully this is going to help them like cut out mm -hmm. all those unnecessary emails and mm -hmm. just like... Think about well, what you're when, doing. When, when Jason and I, when, when, we, when we got in touch with each other, um, he reached out to me. He's like, hey, you know, like, what can I do for you? And I was like, well, I wanted to read your checklist to see if there's a shorter way that I don't have to go through helping people. I'm like, oh, well, you need to hit up Jason because on his website you can get whatever, blah, 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 so that I don't have to do it, you know, because otherwise i got to write this long email trying to explain right. them or whatever, you know, right. whatever. And I'm like, I need another shortcut. Or whatever. So when I read it, oh, this is perfect. I could just, you know what I mean, go on his website and whatever. Or, you know, here's the email that he sent me. You know, whatever the fuck. You know what I mean? So yeah. So that was one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on, so people can see. Here are the guides that you need. You know, and I've passed it on to quite a few people. I'm like, you need to look this, this, look at this when you make your project. You know, people are producing stuff. Jasmine's doing his new project now. Okay. I, I had him look it over. I was like, go over this stuff word for word. <laughs> Trust me. So. Yeah, it's, and it, it's a pretty good outline, as I'm saying. It's not perfect by any means. No, but at but, least but you at least know what's it. what from it. And, you know? and some of the things that I really <laughs> talk about I, that I believe in is, you know, we're sitting here talking about, you know, emailing people. Mm -hmm. The whole idea of emailing people and asking for permission, mm -hmm. and, and this is kind of counterintuitive, but... Mm -hmm. I've now through the years learned that <laughs> that that sucks. I hate asking for people mm -hmm. to do things that and, and so I'm always asking myself like how could I just do it without asking permission? How can I get it out there? And what's interesting about the <laughs> filmmaking thing, when I started, people were shooting on film and, and our my first projects, as mm -hmm. I mentioned, sixteen millimeter film where you had to go through this very rigorous process of not mm -hmm. just buying film stock, but getting it processed and yeah, then mm -hmm. getting it transferred to video and then editing on video. Mm -hmm. And I can remember having endless conversations about <laughs> the quicker, more efficient ways to do that. And now, you know, where we're recording <laughs> this, uh, you go to your local electronics store right around the corner, you can mm -hmm. buy a camera for $2,000 that produces cinematic results. Correct. So there's, there <laughs> should 4K. be... 
exactly. Yeah. There should be no more excuses uh-huh. on like, hey, I can't make my movie because I don't have money. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Like we talked before. Even Tangerine, not, even, even okay. On your iPhone, bitch. Okay. Get and the iPhone, the commercials are showing you like quality, like yes. little shorts. I'm like, that's cinematic. What? Oh my! It's yeah. amazing yeah, what's it's out amazing. there. So don't let the tools get in the way. I know yeah. what's happening. You're afraid. Mm-hmm. You're afraid that if you make your film, it's going to suck and you're not going to be good enough and your career's over. So it's mm-hmm. just easier for you to sit around mm-hmm. in your small town and talk about someday. Right. Correct. That someday right. will never come Correct. and tomorrow right. you'll be 90 and it'll be too late. Mm-hmm. So I like the idea of just grabbing the camera. But here's here's what where the checklist comes mm-hmm. in and where I think about it. Now, as I mentioned repeatedly, I'm a distribution guy, so I'm always thinking about the end product, how you're going to sure. get out to the marketplace. Mm-hmm. So if you're somewhere in like a rural part of the, of the United States or in some somewhere smaller, think about, okay, you're making the film for next to nothing. So that mm-hmm. means that you don't have to recoup a whole lot of money mm-hmm. to make right. it a viable business. Right. Now it's like, well, what can I put in the pot to make it more valuable, to make the stew more sure. tasty, if you will? Mm-hmm. And I think there's little things that you can do. You could mm-hmm. get the guy in your hometown that everybody knows, right? Mm-hmm. And put him in a cameo part. So mm-hmm. now you can get local press and publicity. Yeah. You can have a screening. And at the screening, invariably, wow. people are always going to ask, right. how do I get a copy That's of this right. thing? Right. And because you made it for next to nothing, mm-hmm. you only have to have like one screening, maybe two, yeah. and, and then have some news coverage and yeah. tell everybody it's available on iTunes. Yeah. And suddenly, just from a novelty standpoint, you might yep. make a few thousand yeah. dollars, yeah. and you go on and make your next film. Yep. And, and then you know, five years later, you, you have six films in the can mm-hmm. that are out there working for you in, in these platforms. Now, again, you're making a couple hundred bucks per year on each of these. But, but my favorite word, residual income's coming in. Isn't it? You got it. You, <laughs> you got see it, what I'm saying? Uh-huh. That's yeah. the key. You now can create your own mini movie yeah. studio. And that's what gets me so excited. Yep. This is the stuff that Roger Corman was doing years mm-hmm. and years yep. and years ago. But he had a distribution outlet, sure. and which made it still a little bit prohibitive for other people to do right, what he right. was doing. But now that those doors are wide open. True. You can True. now make, market, and sell your films from anywhere, mm-hmm. and that's a big deal. And we should all be excited about it. And, yeah. and people that are screenwriting saying, well, I can't get my work produced. <laughs> Look, go to your local film festival. Find mm-hmm. somebody that really loves cameras and mm-hmm. say, I'm producing this film. Correct. Can you help me with the tech stuff? Mm-hmm. Just go into it with that. Don't say yeah. I'm a screenwriter. Yeah. Oh, but I happen to write it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's just about framing right. it the right Correct. way. Right. Where's the value for the other person? Well, he has all this equipment he's sitting on. Yep. If your buddies get together, co-produce mm-hmm. a, a project, he's a producer, you're a producer, mm-hmm. go make it happen. I mean, I know award-winning DPs who still have things in their reel that they're still looking for. You know what I mean? You might yeah. have the right script that they're like, oh, I don't have a scene where two characters do such and such on my reel. You know what I mean? So I'm always looking for that DP. That's you know what I mean? Yeah, because that's you know an incentive. That's, exactly. That's how I them. get people. Like, how did you get that DP to shoot that? Like he said, for getting that, that value. Like, and I, I, I see the reel and I'm going, oh, we have the scene. I know they haven't done that. I'm selling the scene. When I'm selling the script, I'm selling the scene. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You see what I mean? I'm like, I yeah. saw your reel. You were fucking badass. We have a scene that blah, 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 blah. I imagine if you shot it like this and they go, Ooh, I could see it. You know what I mean? I know we don't have $900 a day you want, but would you do it for three? <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A- absolutely. They forget they need it too, like you said, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm not all about you know people doing everything for nothing and no, that kind of stuff. But at paid. the same time, 
I think as, as you've probably found out, mm -hmm. everybody should have that core group of people Correct. that you collaborate with. Mm -hmm. I, I was just, uh, for the first time I was on set um, on Friday mm -hmm. for a while, because I'm always doing distribution stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was so invigorating to get back on a set yeah. of a film that I had forgotten that piece of myself that I left behind you know, 16 years ago. But here's a guy that uh, he does a lot of stunt coordination and, and all that kind of stuff working uh -huh. with major studios mm -hmm. and, and what have you. But in between that, he's working on his own projects. And, mm -hmm. and guess what? His network's pretty good. He knows I'm a sure. lot of people that are working. Mm -hmm. And his big thing was like, look, we all want to work in between projects and keep our craft going. Yep. Exactly. If you can surround yourself with a group of people yep. that you all trust each other and mm -hmm. you go into this and you keep doing projects together... I shoot five or six things a year. I mean, I'm constantly in, you know, I'm in production. I'm in production. Stuff I mean, sometimes they fluctuate a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's usually like maybe the same DP. It might, you know, it just switches depending on how busy but they are. But you got right? people that you but have I relationships with. I have every department, every, yeah. you know what I mean? It doesn't matter. I can mm -hmm. make it work. You know and, what I mean? And, and that's a really interesting thing because I, I get a lot of emails from people who are like, well, that's great, Jason, but how do you put together those crews? How do you get that started? <laughs> yeah, okay. And again, like, look, this stuff doesn't happen overnight. It it's not like you just clap your hands, but yes. it does exist if you go out to your local film festival yes. and start talking talking and say i got this thing i want to do on a weekend stage 32 if you're too lazy too lazy for it okay it's freaking craigslist for us stage32.com yeah, bitch what a great look network. at oh yeah. they got an editor oh i need a makeup artist and boom right i mean it's Absolutely. not it's not difficult it's right. not difficult people right. just aren't doing the research they're not doing the research you know and then I mean? the other thing is like, like you said scared scared <laughs> that's, that's a big be, thing yeah you know, yeah. I mean, put put it out there. And let but that's know. why you start small first. I think so. People yep. trying to put together a three million dollar movie, the first film they do, instead of a hundred thousand or fifty thousand. You know what I mean? You could do it. You probably have done them for cheap like that. You know what I mean? I'm just saying as an example. Yeah. You know what I mean? I have. So you know, you can put together a whole movie, and I'll have a celebrity in my movie for a hundred fifty thousand dollars. You know what I mean? You could do it. Mm. Well, and, and so here's the thing, and, and you were in L.A. And sure. I, how many people? And I know I I've known dozens and dozens of people mm -hmm. but you just moved to town when you first get here and you're just kind of getting settled and you start mm -hmm. meeting a few people mm -hmm. and friends of friends and you're hanging out and you're deciding if you're going to become buddies and stuff sure. i've met some people back in that day that were like dude i need 10 million to make my film and then i'll bump i'll bump into them i will bump into them you know recently uh -huh. and bumped into uh, one of these people and and it's still the exact They're same still story same same movie right because the block yep. the block for them yep. is like oh mm -hmm. i can't do it until everything's perfect mm -hmm. and again oh. it's, it's never going to be perfect right. so mm -hmm. and and uh, you know this comes up uh Whenever I have some of these talks and I'm on a rant, mm -hmm. but rant, th bitch. Th then yeah. <laughs> I mean, the thought is are you, you're in a creative environment, mm -hmm. quote unquote, creative writer, director, producer, right? Mm -hmm. But you're not creative enough to come up with a film that you could, I mean, for all intents and purposes, just put a camera on a tripod in your kitchen to make something interesting <laughs> okay. for an hour and a half to make a feature film exactly. like you know build it up from exactly. there like what are you doing next weekend okay. well i'm just going to sit around and, and talk mm -hmm. to my friends and complain about why hollywood sucks and i can't make <laughs> yeah. anything happen yeah and, I don't and by the way i'm going to blame the president again <laughs> i loved your analogy that you used earlier about like if you lived in a small town and you find the person in the area who's like the most popular person now becomes part of their like the whole city is like, oh, the mayor's in the movie, whatever the fuck. Yeah, you know what right. I mean? Yeah. I think that's a really good thing. One thing that we talk about a lot is, because we get these emails all the time or, you know, tweets, you know, hey, we live yeah. in whatever. What are we going to do? And I'm like, do you write, though? You know, first of all, do you fucking sit down and actually do the work, right? Number two is, is there a film school close to you? Even if it's two hours away, that's not that far. 
You know what I mean? If you want it. Yeah, if you want it. You know what I mean? You go two hours away, you put out a call to the freaking department and say, I have this little short I'm trying to shoot. Somebody's going to go, well, shit, I'll shoot it for you. (laughs) You know what I mean? If it's good. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I said, you could sit, you could go to the, like, where's the, 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 what do they call it? The little green area that everybody sits on the grass, you know? There's got to be an area, all the film people hang out. Go sit over there and hang out. Sit there with a script and see who comes up and asks you a question. Exactly. You know what I mean? If it looks professional with two brads on it, except mm-hmm. somebody's going to be like, oh, you're a writer? You know what I mean? It just happens. You know what I mean? You got to draw that attention to you sometimes. Yeah. Let people know what it is you want from them, you know? Absolutely. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. And, well, and, and I think, you know, again, it goes back to that fear factor of, of are you going to put yourself out there or are you yeah. going to make excuses? Yeah. Yeah. And sorry, like nothing fun in life where you could actually make a career out of it. None of that stuff's easy because everybody wants yeah. it. You got to hustle. And some of the interesting stuff was people who've done it and they were just scared shitless. Like, I don't know what's going to happen, but we're going to do it. And mm-hmm. it, it turns out because that sometimes that that fear energy even when you push through it, it just becomes creative energy mm-hmm. and it becomes, becomes something, mm-hmm. you know? And I just see a lot of people and, you know, people with projects and well-known people, people are still coming up and, you know, I read these stories like, yeah, I totally didn't think this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I was terrified, but we just went and did it. And then you hear the other people like, oh, I just need to have the right person and the right, but when it comes together one day and it's like 30 years. Well, one of the past, things that I talk about happened. a lot to a lot of my you know, I'm on like four committees at the Writers Guild, so I'm always dealing with all these huge showrunners or whatever. <clears throat> One thing that I found, and I talk about this a lot, most people, why are you over there making noise, Phyllis? <laughs> um, most she's, she's people, excited. I'm not going to throw an age out there, but most people who are already successful and made it in the older era, let's just say in the last yeah. 20 years, right, who aren't around in the last 10 years with the way that we think. Yeah have this mentality of, oh, I have this great idea, you know, it'd be, I could write it, but I'll, I'm just going to go in and pitch it to the network. We have the mindset, it's like, what are we waiting for the network for? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> what the fuck are you waiting for the network for? You already make $100,000 a week. What the fuck are you waiting for them for? You know what I mean? All you have to do is say, Hilliard, I have this idea that we probably could do in the house. It could be contained. It could be whatever. Yeah. I don't have time to write it. But if you don't have time to write it, can you help me put together? We could put out a, 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 a call yeah. saying we want a script that has six characters. You've done it. Six characters in it, right? Mm-hmm. That it takes place at a mansion, right? Whatever. And all of a sudden, you'll get a slew of them. And you could, you could give them a la carte what you want. You know, six characters, a female lead. You can call it whatever you want. And all of a sudden, you'll get 20 of them, 30 of them, 100 of them, whatever. And you can pick and choose which one you want and develop the script with that writer. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So what I'm saying is, if you're a pres- even if you're a person in a position where you are somebody, like your friend, the stunt dude, yeah, used all his resources of working on all those movies, doing second unit and all that other stuff, and went, wait a minute. I know this dude. He's not working tomorrow. Next week, he's a fucking badass DP. I'm going to see, say my man, you want to come work for me on this little pro- I don't have the money, right. but boom. You know what I mean? Et cetera, et cetera. So where I'm going with that is I always listen to these guys talk, and I just sit there quietly listening to the big-time dudes say what they got to say. Oh, I'm working on this pitch to pitch to the network. Oh, they'll never buy it. But I'm like, motherfucker, you make money. <laughs> fucking go shoot it yourself. Okay. And every week... I'm the only one going, oh, I'm working on this. I'm about to shoot this. All the rest of them are in the system, you know, 
making plenty more money than I'm making, but nobody's doing it for themselves. They're waiting for the and system not, yeah, to do and it not make, for taking them. Taking that opportunity to do something maybe yeah. different and creative yeah. that shows them in a different light. Correct. But you get so spoiled in the fact that you used to working on a three million dollar pilot that you refuse to shoot your own right two hundred three hundred thousand dollar pilot. You know what I mean? Where I'm like, no, let's go shoot the two hundred thousand dollar pilot and make it look like it's a million dollars. You know what I mean? Mm. That's me. It, you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm not waiting for Hollywood to do that shit. It, you know it's what I mean? interesting because in a way, I'm glad nobody ever answered my early resumes when I was trying to work <laughs> for the studios because I would have a whole different perspective on sure, this. But I'm now sure. you feel like this whole. Hustler, like, let's start our own mini movie mm-hmm. studio mm-hmm. mindset. Like, that whole thing has become more and more the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I worked a few years ago on this uh, film. We, we got behind the marketing. I was at a company called Chill, and it was called Camp Dakota, a mm-hmm. campy camp comedy starring three famed YouTubers okay. at a time before the idea of putting social media stars yeah. in the film oh, really? had All become right. mainstream. Uh-huh. That was the one case study. And now, of course, Lionsgate is, yeah. is right behind their sequel or the unofficial yep. sequel. Interesting thing about that is like that happened in much the same sort of organic sensibilities. Mm -hmm. But if you really look behind the scenes, you'll see William Morris Endeavor like rep some of the. I mean, there there was some some work. Yeah, there were some bigger forces at play, but it was still the entrepreneurial idea of like keeping the budget low enough, Mm -hmm. getting enough valuable, notable Mm -hmm. people in it to make it a real viable thing that's interesting to the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing is we're talking about fear. Interestingly enough, whatever you make this year, you're going to look back on it in like five years and think it sucks and it's the biggest piece of horse shit that you've ever seen. So this is like what comes (laughs) with experience. So you're afraid. your scripts. Yeah, I want to say this. When when you're afraid (laughs) to get your stuff out there because you want it to be perfect, guess Mm -hmm. what? It's going to suck eventually anyway. (laughs) So you may as well put it out there even if it's bad. And I'm so sick of like seeing like some of my really talented friends Mm -hmm. not do anything Mm -hmm. when less talented people are getting stuff produced. Oh, my God. Say that one more time for the people in the back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, people who are just putting stuff out, and you're like, you ain't, and you know, your stuff could have been better, but yes. because you, did you, you got it out, you there. canceled yes. yourself and blocked yourself out there. Yes. It's like, just but sometimes do it. people connect even things that are bad. There's something in it that connects to somebody and registered in their head. Like, I hated this movie, but that person was kind of funny. I hated this movie, but that person really reminded me of my sister. You don't know what the yep. reasons are for why they like it, but that person took a chance. Exactly. That's what I appreciate. Mm. And that's why you and I talk because we teach a lot. And we, we sometimes we get up there and we're like, just make it, right? But we want it to be good. Don't get me <laughs> twisted. Don't. But I want you also to attempt to try to make it too because there's nothing like learning on the, on the set, on the Absolutely. job, whatever. Mm-hmm. Nothing like it. I can run a whole TV show right now with what I know from all the 30-something projects I've done now. I could do it. You know, and I haven't stepped foot on a big budget set like that yet on a national TV as a producer. I've done it in an independent world, sure. but I know that I could do that because it's the same shit. Yeah. It's just more exactly. money and more people. More, money, more people. More people. Yep. You know what I mean? More money, more problems. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but look, exactly right. Give me that problem, bitch. You gave me exactly the problem. Right. <laughs> Too cold, biggie. Okay. Look, I'm ready to take it. I'm ready to take it. That's what's up. So, okay. Oh, so let's talk to the filmmakers. Yes. Right? We just okay. I'm a young filmmaker. I just made my movie, or I'm in post, right? I have no idea what to do next. Only thing I know is I'm gonna try to get an awesome film festival. Yeah, right? I'm gonna use that as an example. Okay. Sure. I want to talk to you. What should I do? 
What, 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 I mean, what, what advice could, would you, you give somebody? You could email me. Uh, that uh-huh. would be a good way to start the conversation. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, we know you got to call them five okay. times, right? <laughs> and that was a little goofy. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty accessible. I, I answer. I even answer. You do. These you get right back to me all the time. I'm teasing. I try to I try to be nice to everybody. Um, you, you know, interestingly, and this is the irony of modern film distribution: the mm-hmm. idea that. Because you think about old, uh, older styles of film distribution back in the DVD days, like you were talking earlier. Yeah. Back in the day, like let's say late 1990s into the 2000s. <laughs> back would, in the day in 1990s. Yeah, I know. Like two years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, you would make a film just like you're describing. You'd get in, You'd hope to get into like a top film festival mm-hmm. so that somebody in the audience would say, that's the one. I want to pick that up mm-hmm. and get nice. in a bidding war and pay mm-hmm. a whole bunch of money, et cetera. Um, but let's say even if the deal wasn't a multi-million dollar deal, but they pick up your film, that distributor would then call their buddy up over at Blockbuster Video, the mm-hmm. now defunct Blockbuster Video, and say, <laughs> "What's that? <laughs> yeah. I used to work at Blockbuster. <laughs> you would <laughs> back in the day. Totally <laughs> miss it. But they, but they would call them up and say, "Hey, I got this great film. You, you got to check it out mm-hmm. and check it out. And they're like, okay, we're interested. Mm-hmm. How many units will you buy? Okay, well, we'll, we'll pick up five thousand units." From that conversation, you can extrapolate out of 5,000 units how much money you're going to have to spend, how much money there is to be made. So Mm -hmm. there's fixed expenses, fixed costs. It's Mm -hmm. a physical product. And Blockbuster Video is concerned about the end consumer. They want want memberships. They want people to go in there every month and pay them X number of dollars to to rent. Mm -hmm. Well, they do the membership, and then if I remember correctly, you'd have to pay every time you'd rent it. And that was – Blockbuster was responsible – for getting that film in front of the end audience. Interesting. And because Blockbuster was small enough, it was heavily curated. And yep. you used to go to that new release walls. Oh, mm-hmm. my God, yes. And, and that was that That's was where it. you beeline to, wasn't it? That was the spot. That like was, you go in there like the new releases. Yes. And you can tell which new releases <laughs> weren't that great because there weren't that many copies. <laughs> right. And they weren't facing out. True. They were facing True. the side stacked up against. True. Like, it was a formula, days. wasn't okay. it? Exactly right. But even so, so one thing happened there. Not too many people got distribution deals because mm-hmm. it was a very select few independent films mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. ever got into Blockbuster to begin mm-hmm. with. Just using that as an example sure, sure. again. Um, but what's changed? We've now seen Blockbuster kind of fall apart. Mm-hmm. And now what's happened is those traditional distributors, for the most part, are, are scrambling. And they're like, oh, I got to get into digital. Mm-hmm. So they go out and they have all these different deals with all the outlets like mm-hmm. iTunes and uh, um, Amazon, and all Amazon sure. uh, Vudu, Google Play, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And which, by the way, Amazon's done some shifting, and we can get on Amazon ourselves these days. And we'll talk about that in a oh. little bit. But, mm-hmm. but for this analogy here, what's happened is these distributors go out and they're like, oh, man, I have these deals with these outlets. But then, um, and then, then they go back to the filmmaker and they're like, hey, I like your film. I'm going to pick it up and get you on the iTunes. Mm-hmm. And what has changed? Well, from the filmmaker perspective, it's still the same in their mind. Oh, I got in this festival. Mm-hmm. This distributor wants me. They're going to pick it up and they're going to get it in the digital platform. Mm-hmm. But from the distributor's perspective, they're like, I don't have to call and get somebody to buy you know, 2,500 mm-hmm. units. I just got to go through the encoding cost, a couple thousand bucks mm-hmm. um, to get this thing, you know, ingested, encoded, quality control, reviewed, mm-hmm. delivered, et cetera. And what that means for them is, is the expenses aren't that great. Mm-hmm. But herein lies the rub. What's happened essentially is 
when you get in these digital platforms, it's no longer a blockbuster video that's trying to get you mm. to get your film in front of a whole bunch of people. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, you're uploading it once, but you're going to end up on virtual shelf space. Mm. And that new release thing is only the size of a web page. And guess what? In some of these digital platforms, you're not even going to appear on that page unless it's something that people really want or unless you make like major sales right mm -hmm. from the get go. Mm -hmm. So what's happened now is distributors are still <laughs> pretending that we're in that old school game where, hey, Sonny Boy, I love your mm -hmm. film. Come to me and yeah. give me everything. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I'm Yay. so excited. They like me. They like <laughs> <Right>. me. And <laughs> you give up your film. Right. And then, you know, six months later or whatever, you get your first statement and it's like after expenses, the uh, big fat zero. And you're like, mm -hmm. what's happening? <laughs> well, two things are happening. Like um, maybe it's not selling a whole lot. OK, mm -hmm. that could be one thing. Um, but the other part of it, too, is like you, you've insulated yourself. You're in with this distributor that's just picking up, like I said earlier, whatever they can, whatever throwing they can them against them, the yeah. digital wall, hoping that one of those is going to be the breakout sure. hit. So distributors can now, because mm -hmm. the cost isn't really expensive, mm -hmm. so they don't have to invest a whole lot of money to pick up films. So mm -hmm. films that would have never gotten distributed in the past are now getting pickup deals from distributors. Right. Um, and filmmakers feel great about it, but it's just a, it's a matter of the market being oversaturated. Sure. And at the end of the day, it just kind of goes back full circle. Again, <laughs> the irony being that the films that get the best deals where distributors actually will pay money are the films that, ironically, the filmmaker could probably go through a channel like distributor, not to overly you know advertise the company I'm working for, <laughs> but you could go through a channel like that and retain mm. your revenue because you're going to be hustling anyway, yeah. and and you might you might prove to do just as well on your own as, as that distributor would have done. Okay. Are there um, exceptions to that rule? Yes, if the distributor really loves it and they're going to put X number of dollars in marketing behind it, and mm -hmm. you know exactly how that money is going to be spent. Mm -hmm. I would call that a pretty good distribution deal. Okay. But for the most part, if it's just a, I'm going to pick it up and throw it out there and set it and forget yeah. it. Because you could do that yourself. At the end of the day, you're going to be doing it yourself. Yeah. If you want to succeed, even if a distributor put mm -hmm. you out there, like I said, they've moved on to other digital pickups. Mm -hmm. They're not thinking about your film the way you hope they would be. And now, you know, as a filmmaker, you're, you're yeah. kind of upset with the distributor, like it's mm -hmm. their fault. At the end of the day, you're the one that, that needs to be hustling. Yeah, because every, every young filmmaker that I know who has distribution hates their distributor. It's always like that. And <laughs> now I know why. I mean, but that, that makes a lot more sense. Of, of, you know, don't we have yeah, friends? Yes. And it's like, oh, okay, That now I'm understanding what, what the issue is. Are, are there a lot of bad apples out there? Maybe. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this isn't me like, oh, traditional distribution's bad. Sure. Like, again, there are, I've worked for a few different distribution companies, mm -hmm. and there's some great companies out there where the distributors care and they really want the film to succeed mm -hmm. because they're not just looking for a one-off one deal from a filmmaker. They want mm -hmm. an ongoing personal relationship with that filmmaker for all the films that they're going to make moving right. forward. And to those distributors, you know, hats off to them because they're doing the right thing. Sure. But there's a lot of distributors that are just coming up going, oh man, you're saying all I got to invest <laughs> is a couple thousand dollars to get a film on the iTunes? Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course I'll go pick up every film I can mm -hmm. find. Because and, and and ironically, some of these distributors actually tell the filmmaker to write a check <laughs> to cover all those costs for deliverables and encoding mm. and stuff, and they still take twenty to thirty percent on the back end um, <laughs> for quote unquote marketing. And again, nothing wrong with that if you know exactly yeah. what you're getting into. If you so, know what you sign, you got to read your shit, right? Exactly. So <laughs> let me ask you a quick question. I mean, interrupt. And I don't thought. know if that answered your initial um, question about the filmmaker coming in looking for yeah, but but hopefully that yeah. paints a picture. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, so what I always hear about when I think about distribution, distribution and PR have some similarities, do they not? 
just meaning a really good distributor should have a really strong PR department, no? Well, I, uh, yes, there's always that, that conversation about PR. Uh -huh. And from a distribution standpoint, if you're a distributor and you're looking to pick up films, mm -hmm. you're looking to create as much value so that that filmmaker decides to go with you over somebody else. Okay. So if a distributor really, really wants a film, they're going to they're gonna talk about PR. Mm -hmm. They're going to talk about how they're going to market it. And they're going to go into explicit detail. Mm -hmm. But most distributors don't have an in-house PR company. Okay. I mean, an in-house PR uh, department they outsource to a company that they're partnered uh -huh. with and if they're picking up 20 titles a month they're going to put those titles in front of the the publicist mm -hmm. and they're going to say hey what can you do with these here's here's what we're doing in-house to kind of market mm -hmm. the launch but can you help us emphasize this or help us emphasize that um, so that PR component sounds really interesting to a filmmaker uh, but at the end of the day you know it goes back to if you're an entrepreneurial filmmaker mm -hmm. why wouldn't you just go out and hire your own publicist yeah. and specifically like let's say you have like a faith-based film i don't know that's coming mm -hmm. to mind mm -hmm. um you have a faith-based film why don't you go find a faith-based pr company mm -hmm. that deals specifically yeah, like in that type of film? Marketing. yeah because mm -hmm. some of these distributors have an ongoing retainer that they're paying mm -hmm. to just a general publicist sure. that you know, might get you into variety in mm -hmm. Hollywood Reporter, which feels good for the ego, but mm -hmm. that's not necessarily your end target audience. Sure. Um, and, and yeah, your Christian church isn't reading the variety for the most part. No, right. not for the most part. Right. It feels good to filmmakers. Yeah, like, don't get me wrong, when you're written up in those right. trades, you're mm -hmm. like, I made it, I'm like, cool. I made it. Yeah. Yeah, Making yeah, all your Xerox copies uh, to send to everybody. <laughs> but man, that doesn't always, that doesn't always no. feed your family. And, no. and you got to think about that stuff. So, you know, going back to your earlier question, what can a filmmaker do? Well, first of all, have artwork that makes mm -hmm. it look like a real film that oh my God. looks so valuable. If you're going to the, using that blockbuster analogy, <laughs> If we didn't know what it's your everything. film was about, that what that thing was. It took, look, I spit on your grave. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! We going way oh, back. Oh yeah. When they started bringing out, you know, uh -huh. films and the classic films, yes. and there were so many like horror films that were coming out during that time period, uh -huh. and I passed over some, <laughs> but I remember. I saw that cover and I was mm -hmm. like, holy moly. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what the film was about. You know, I was like 19 or something. And I was like, holy moly, mm -hmm. what is this? Because of that artwork, mm -hmm. you know, and you've got to have it. Now, if you're doing the digital, it's the same thing. And the artwork has to tell you what the movie is oh, about. Please. At least what the theme is about. Oh, something. something. It has to get to the heart of oh, it. Right? Please don't oh. use... You're not a graphic designer, first of all. You're a okay, filmmaker. Please. Get somebody. Get a professional. So this is the thing. Perception's reality. So you got to, if you want to capture the heart of a distributor and really get them behind your film, mm -hmm. if, you, if you don't actually have something that the marketplace really, really desires, like you don't have Tom Cruise in your film, for mm -hmm. example, work backwards. <laughs> Tom at least Cruise, have some Tom Cruise adjacent. <laughs> somebody. His name is, Tom, his name no, is Tommy Cruise. Uh, sorry, yeah, it's Tim Cruise. And he's six feet tall. And he's six feet tall. <laughs> but make it look like a film yeah. that's competing for space in that mm -hmm. genre. Yes. I, I, uh, I deal with filmmakers all the time where they'll give me their artwork mm -hmm. for like a horror film and you look at the artwork and you're like, you made this look like a romantic comedy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the artwork Work sucks. Uh -huh. They made it themselves. The fonts are all off. It's dumb. It looks terrible. Mm -hmm. So the perception thing. And then their pitch. Oh, I love this one. I was like, so uh, what's your genre? What kind of target audience are you trying to appeal to? Listen, man, my film is geared for everybody. Oh, everybody boy. on earth is going to love oh, my film because it has elements from all genres. Oh, it's cross... And I'm like, oh, but here's the problem with yes. that dumb statement uh -huh. that you think you're so smart right, and creative. Right. You're killing yourself because 
you know, you go on your television and you, and you go to watch like Amazon and in the drop down menu, you can go by genre. Right. Even HBO is set up that way. Um, Netflix is right. set up that and way. And the subgenre. <laughs> yeah. You know? where, where does your mm -hmm. film fit? What box? Mm -hmm. Oh, it doesn't fit in a box. Well, guess what? Ain't nobody watching that. You, you better find a box. Yeah, bitch. No, you you're not getting in my queue. <laughs> <laughs> you may be trying to redefine yes. genres, but I'll tell you what, you're at that end audience in my hometown, that guy that just got home from a hard day's work mm -hmm. that just wants something simple right. and is going down through the box and tonight wants to watch an action film. Okay. If your film's not in that box, the odds of them seeing it is, is less and less and less. So, sure. so good artwork. Know what your genre is. If mm -hmm. your genre is one of these weirdo, right. artsy-fartsy mm -hmm. things that doesn't quite fit in a box, find the box closest sure. to your genre. Look, go and look at old – you can – people <laughs> – you can Google this. Go and look at. You can type it. In. It's very specific. Yeah, you can type, type it in. in whatever. Like one of the things I did when uh, when I used I used to love doing this. When you make your own imaginary uh, one sheets and oh, stuff yeah, like that, yeah, I would go and literally I would go and look at. Yeah, some you of can the steal movies. images. You can, I would look yeah. at images. Mm -hmm. I would look at images from like album covers. Mm -hmm. Like for my one for my uh, what you call it from a um, my Blanco script. Mm -hmm. It was Ice T's album <laughs> with Darlene on the cover, mm -hmm. with her in the bathing suit in the back. Her had the big shotgun in mm -hmm. the back. Like that was that the tells imagery. You, that tells, that you, tells everything. you everything. Yes. Like the imagery of mm -hmm. that, that shot. Like I was looking at everything to try to give somebody. Like, look, if we make mm -hmm. this one sheet, this is. What, look at some quality mm -hmm. shot. People ain't doing that. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, well, it's for everybody. <laughs> you can put Pokemon on it's it. It's a comedy. It's a, a drama. It's a horror. Cover on it. <laughs> it's for everybody. It's ready. Exactly. Like, no, it's not. No, See, it's that not. tells me there's problems with your movie. Yes, you know absolutely. What I mean? And you want to avoid that because that's what the distributor's looking for right mm -hmm. away. It's like, what's what's problematic with it? Right. Um, another mm -hmm. one is don't be crazy. <laughs> like. <laughs> Okay, let's go down his list. Let's go down his list. <laughs> there, there's, and then I'm making this up on the list. No, 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 I'm going to write, got the right write down my new check. Yes. Yes. After this, I'll listen yes. to it and, and write it down. But don't be crazy. When we go to the American film market, mm -hmm. like at this point, I've been doing it for a few years. People know me. I know them. And, mm -hmm. and, and again, uh, there's a lot of really good distributors out there that run a solid business. I saw my I, first movie at AFM. So I, I try to be friends with those people. So again, mm -hmm. this isn't against traditional distributors, mm -hmm. um, but uh, any distributor, we get together and talk and, mm -hmm. and have a few drinks after the the event or where we go meet for lunch afterwards and, and we're always talking about the one or two crazy filmmakers. <laughs> like, oh yeah, did you meet that guy? Yeah, I met yeah. that guy. That guy's, he's out there. Like, you can have him. Uh -huh. like, I don't care how good his movie is. Yeah. And then it becomes yeah. an ongoing joke that I'm like, oh yeah, well, so-and-so called me. I told him to give you a call. And they're like, yeah. and it, and they're like thank, thank you so much for the referral. Okay. I'm like, oh yeah, no problem, man. I just referred so-and-so. <laughs> so we just have these ongoing banter. Yeah. Don't yeah. be one of those filmmakers that becomes somebody else's banter. Mm. There, there was a guy that ruined my Christmas vacation a few years yeah. ago. Because hey, we, is that that hardcore? You know, he, he was a terrible picture. human being. Really? Um, and he called me and he was like, he was like, my film's not live on iTunes right now. And I was like, it's because iTunes shuts down a little bit in the holiday season, just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. And I'm only they get overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, everybody mm -hmm. in, in town shuts down over the holidays. And, and I'm like, I'm only answering your calls because I'm a nice guy yeah. and you have my cell phone number. Yeah. It became like this raging stalker type wow. thing where he was just like angry with me, yelling yeah. at me and, and for things that were way out of my control. Mm -hmm. and, and oddly, you know, it was a personal thing for him. 
unbeknownst to me, he was calling and being that kind of a jerk to everybody else, mm -hmm. you know, that was, that mm -hmm. he So it felt, wasn't just you. Yeah, he right. felt like everybody in the filmmaking community was getting in his way, mm -hmm. and, and God forbid. So if his name ever comes up and I ever <laughs> see him again, it instantly, really? no. Never if I, business if I see you have instant conniption, like, what is going on with Jason right now? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that guy's in the vicinity. GPS people, where is he's he looking, I mean, he looks at his phone and throws it in shit. <laughs> yeah, from now on, like, he's on that list, and I'll just send it to the competitor. I don't really like He's you know, on that the Pokemon other. no list like hold that up like who in here exactly. <laughs> and stay away so, from yeah <laughs> you can tell so anyway all that to say that don't be crazy claws is, oh is my a big God. one um, when you approach a distributor get very succinct about your film I just mm -hmm. was making those jokes about sure. some filmmakers like it's the greatest film ever but what happens is they often can't sum up their film in one specific log line yeah. that goes with the whole thing if it's an action film the log line should be about action it shouldn't be like a man meets a woman they break up and they get back together i'm like well how's that an action film it doesn't make any sense um but here's the other thing that that really and and i don't know what what i can blame about this but mm -hmm. i'm seeing this happen a lot in phone mm -hmm. conversations uh with prospective filmmakers they're like my film my film has a really high production value it was shot, it was shot on such and such camera mm -hmm. we used the best audio recording and all this and they're talking about the technical specs of their yes. film the not end, the story or anything right the end market <laughs> doesn't care what film and and i get it like uh netflix has their new 4k section mm -hmm. and stuff yeah. to appease to the early adopters with the 4k television yeah. but you're telling me five years from now like 4k is yeah, going to be more, be more the norm and yeah. you know the technical stuff isn't as important as, as mm -hmm. the actual end audience and, yeah. and knowing how you're going to sell this darn thing. Sure, sure. So we just expect you to have a good looking film that's yeah. going to pass quality control. Right. Um, so, you know, that's, that's another one. No, that's I mean. a good one. <laughs> Not anything else? Anything else is hitting you? <laughs> and then the other thing is, you know, this uh, perception becomes reality. Aim hmm. towards um, the selling points that the distributor might be looking for for no-brainer. Mm -hmm. Like I, in between... Uh, gigs you know where i was working for a distribution company mm -hmm. i represented a film at the afm a few years back called man up okay and man up was just you know a goofy teen comedy mm -hmm. but the lead actor was a famed youtuber with 1.5 million subscribers okay. so my subject line to distributors other distributors was um subject line film starring famed youtuber open it up two or three lines Hey, I got a film starring a YouTuber with 1.5 mm -hmm. million subscribers. Are you interested in seeing a screener? Yeah. The end. The end. Period. And all it did Short was allude to, it got him going, yeah. okay, yeah. this guy has 1.5 million subscribers. The way a distributor thinks is, oh, well, if we only sell X number percentage mm. of those subscribers, here's what kind of money we could probably make got off it. of this thing. Right. And if we got the Netflix deal and if we got some foreign mixed into that, this could mm -hmm. be a viable project. Mm -hmm. And going from that and working backwards, then that particular film actually got some decent offers mm -hmm. like where they, where people were willing to pay a minimum guarantee, which doesn't happen, mm -hmm. but it happened because people aren't paying out minimum guarantees as a favor in the distribution <laughs> world. They're doing it because they're minimally guaranteeing money because they think they're going to make way, way more than that mm -hmm. as a result of the film. Mm -hmm. But I set it up that way. Right. You know, in, in the conversation, if I would have said, oh, I got a teen comedy and yeah. it's fun, come check it out. Sure. It was shot on a 4K camera. Like, nobody cares about yeah. that. You know, <laughs> what they care about is how they're going to make money. So mm -hmm. you have to allude to that. Right. And I would even go like a step further and, and maybe in the next sentence, if I was really getting into it going, you know, um, you know, what percentage of these subscribers do you need to make this a viable business for you? You know, mm. like just something Put that a question in to the their head. bottom right. line, yeah. you know, right. yeah. uh, and 
so we ended up getting like numerous meetings because right. of that one very simple email. Yeah. I kept it short and sweet, very right. professional. Mm-hmm. I was, however, annoyed that sometimes these distributors didn't take into account that I've actually worked on their side of the table. <laughs> and, and I thought that that was really poor negotiation yeah, skill yeah, on their yeah. part. I'm like, really? You're, you're telling me how hard it is to go through the QC yeah. process? Did you, did you read my yeah, resume, bitch? I was like, we, we were on a panel together exactly. a few months ago. You don't remember me? So that's there was that kind of crap, too. But that's, 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 that, let's say that for I'm going to try to get you on a panel at the Writers Guild, then. We, I'm always putting together things over there. Oh, that's nice. So I, I like I the Writers Guild. Yeah, they're good people. I'll get you on something over there. So that's what's up. That was good. That you was good. You want to go to an American film market, one of those, when they have those things that go out just to, just to see that, just because, you know, I had friends that did that years ago and it was like an eye opener. It was like, mm-hmm. oh my God. Because sometimes you need to see the product in, like you need to see yeah. mm-hmm. how that happens from that endpoint. It just gives you a, a better perspective. And I think it helps you kind of better prepare your film, like what, what, who your market is and knowing Correct. what marketing is about. A lot of people think, well, I'm just making a short film. What do I need to know about, you know, distribution for? Uh, are you going to stay making short films? Are you going to make, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because mm. eventually, they're already starting to monetize shorts. Yeah. yeah so shorts, you might want to learn yeah. how to, you know what I mean? Well, Makes no sense to me. A couple of I have bought some shorts. Yeah, me because too. Because I like the person's product. There's a, a filmmaker in England, mm-hmm. and she's so good. And like she has a lot of her stuff on YouTube, mm-hmm. but there was one particular from her short film that started the whole web series. Okay. Um, she, I think she had it on Vimeo. Mm-hmm. And... I went and bought it. I think it was like four bucks. I just mm-hmm. went ahead and bought it. Mm-hmm. But it was because I liked it. It was marketed well. And it was like, I I can get access to it. Mm-hmm. And I can just pay. She's smart. Yeah. You bring up a very good point, mm-hmm. both of you, you know, by saying that. And, and what you just described, you know the woman, you saw her work on mm-hmm. YouTube or Vimeo or right. wherever. And then you eventually bought one of her products. Because and- it had value. And I really wanted to see mm-hmm. what started it. That kind of thing. Because, mm-hmm. you know. It's just it's just one of those. Weird, I had never done something like that before. Like I've bought from Amazon and sure. other things, but in terms of going to another platform, like buying a short mm-hmm. film, mm-hmm. I had never done that before. Mm-hmm. But because she had it, and it, it it's a Cecily Ameke over in London, and mm-hmm. she's amazing. She does the uh, Saltfish uh, Aki and Saltfish mm-hmm. web series, mm-hmm. and it was a film. I said I need to, and I couldn't find the film. And she's like, Oh, I have it on here. You can. I just went ahead and just bought it. And I thought, you know what? She's I smart. might be doing it some more. I, that's four dollars is nothing. No, no. but a, but a lot of four dollars is great. But she isn't might, it? no, but she <laughs> might. Have, but that tells me she might have some other, and it made me start looking on other people whose stuff mm-hmm. might be good. Like, hey, I might want to go ahead and buy that yeah. short. I might not have access to it because mm-hmm. you know it's not distributed widely, but mm-hmm. I can find it and I can download it and get it. See, this is this is the evolution though. What mm-hmm. you just described mm-hmm. that that is like you don't need to be in Los Angeles to do that kind no. of thing. And no. it's becoming a viable business for her because you love her work and you're like, you know mm-hmm. what, I'm going to support her. And, and because of that, she just got, she was actually out in LA talking to some people at HBO because mm-hmm. of that. I believe it. Yeah. There if it's good, the people find like, it. Now yeah. people are like, I can make yeah. money. I can yes. make money off she of her. She's like the opposite of yes. whatever. Instead of coming here, it's like end product, yep. distribute it. Yep. Yeah. The product that they was probably distributed flew her out. made it easy access to distribute it. It's like, yeah. let's find this girl out here. Mm-hmm. Again, the irony, and you can take what I was saying about mm-hmm. you know the films that don't need distribution sure. get the best deals. Mm-hmm. The people that don't really need the work get the best opportunities. You know? Good point. Yes. Good point. But how yes. did it start? It started yeah. because they're like, you know what? I'm not asking permission anymore. I'm going to do exactly. this thing. Exactly. And that was her whole thing was like, I'm just going to do some stuff with my friends and talk about stuff that we want. It's it's funny. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, oh. And I remember thinking, oh, I can't find the short. And she's like, oh, if you want to. And I thought from now on, I'm, I've been going through Vimeo and different platforms looking for people who stuff I like mm-hmm. that I can't find anywhere else. And, and, I, and I bet you there's for. thoususands of other people like okay, you who I'm willing, do that. I'm willing you know I mean? to pay the money. And mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff is not that expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm willing to do it because now my whole my my whole viewing experience 
it's totally revamped and it's different sure. and I'm my own programmer and I'm willing to pay money. Let me ask you my last question. What do you, where do you think we're going? In life? No. When film, <laughs> <laughs> regarding films and, you know, in the, in the distribution realm, like where, where are we going? Yeah, What's next? I, I, do you I, see I, a, next, a new cycle coming? Do you see... Yeah, I do. I mean, it's just funny. We made that joke at the beginning where you were like, oh, you were the first to put it on Amazon yeah, and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. And mm. I try. It's not as though um, I like I like new technologies mm. and I like things that are coming. I'm really excited to see how virtual reality affects and disrupts everything mm. that we're yeah. doing. I'm starting to see that every, every, every seminar, VR, you VR, have VR, a virtual everywhere. reality film that the mm. whole film is you walking around participating mm. in the parts of wherever the film is taking yeah, place. That's possible. Where it's I mean, like live tactile, like you're mm -hmm. in a movie. It's a right. It's, a, it's hard to wrap your mind around it because it's a different type of storytelling. Mm -hmm. Like we're so yeah. used to the linear mm -hmm. beginning, middle, and end, but. You know the participatory nature of. Uh, have you done the uh, virtual reality headsets yet? Have you? I haven't done. I mean, I've yeah. I've been in a room where they. I'm were scared doing to it, but because I, I feel like I will then that will become my life. <laughs> you get I'll be like, I don't even need anything from the neck down. Just keep the brain in the head. Just put me in a little pod somewhere, and uh, I'm good. That's like a movie too. <laughs> I know. It's like don't don't get me started. <laughs> I've, I've only done it briefly. It's not like I'm mm. a real expert on it, sure. but but putting it on my head and looking through that. I did the Oculus Rift, which is owned by uh, <gasps> Facebook. How was that? And uh, so here's the thing, and it was more amazing than I thought it would be. I thought it would be all pixelated and weird, and mm -hmm. like you know, oh, cool concept. It's coming someday. Yeah. It'll be neat. No, Crystal clear. Huh? It was so far. Uh, it was so far ahead of where it was, where I thought it was from a technology. <laughs> Did standpoint. you get scared? Wait, I, I'm like, scared? I'm like. Well, I, I mean, I literally asked the guy afterwards the demo. I was like, "You guys hired?" <laughs> because I got so excited about the technology. I mean, mm -hmm. when you put that headset on, you look up, you can see the sky above you. Look down. I mean, depending on what program they're running. Mm -hmm. And I, and I was, I did another one too. Um, another little program where I was like in a horror film. And this, mm. and it's like a little. Yeah. You're just sitting on a chair, and there's like a, sm a smoking cigarette, and you look all around the room, and you're like, "What's happening?" And then you see that something falls down behind you. You're like scared. Turn around, and it's a face, and it, it just jump, and, it, and like I shouted. So I, I'm I, telling you, that's the new. That's going to be the new movie. I don't have a specific. Oh man, I'm right there with you. I don't have a specific. And your distri distribution, just download it yeah. right wherever you are. You know, and ugh. oh, right. It's it's going to be an interesting few years. So let me wrap this up. So let me know. Let the kids know where they can what find can you. Find you. Um, do, do you go ahead and promote your company again, as well as your your blog sure. and your filmmaking guide and all yeah. that. Yeah. So if you, if you're interested in this, this all this crazy stuff we've been mm -hmm. talking about, you can check me out at filmmakingstuff.com. Once again, filmmakingstuff.com. Two M's. Yeah, two M's. I, I see people still spell it with one M or two separate words. I'm like, it's just one word. <laughs> Filmmaking, one word. Anyway, go ahead. Thank you for that. <laughs> You're right. You're right. You know what I mean? You see it all the time. Filmmaker. Like, no. No, I should have bought, I should have bought all the misspellings. <laughs> site. And then I have all these people that have come in and bought, built sites around it to try just mm -hmm. to get people that spell things sure. wrong. I'm but sure. it, uh, yeah, so filmmakingstuff.com with yeah. two M's. Uh, and on there, you'll be able to download the 65-part checklist that we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. For those of you listening to this and you need distribution, uh, you can check me out. Uh, go to Distribber, D-I-S-T-R-I-B-B-E-R, Distribber.com, D-I-S-T-R-I-B-B-E-R.com. And if you use the discount code FILMMAKINGSTUFF, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Okay. 
That's good. Well, that's are nice you on? Know, yeah. Are you, you on Twitter or anything? I am on Twitter. Yeah. I'm at Jason Brubaker LA on mm-hmm. Twitter. All right. Uh, and I don't know where else I am. But <laughs> oh, Facebook is okay. uh, simply filmmaking stuff. You can find me on Facebook. So that's I, I think those are all the places. But probably the best place to go is just the website where there's links to all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So filmmakingstuff.com. Cool. Where are you at, Lisa? That's so fun. Hey. Uh, you can find me here. <laughs> <with> you. <laughs> you can find me on the Twitter. <laughs> Thanks, Liz. And you can also find me, uh, uh, my film criticism reviews over at Bitchflix. So bitchflix.com. And right. um, yeah, so I'm always on the hashtag Saturday Night Sci-Fi. Every Saturday, Geek Soul Brother and all the mm-hmm. the Power Rangers. Uh, <laughs> we do our, our Saturday Night thing. And I love, I haven't been able to do it Did for the last couple weeks. Uh, no, we have not done the power. We are the Power Rangers. Oh, okay. That's what we call ourselves. Like, if you were part of it, you're now the Power well, you, Rangers. You know I was on the Rangers for a minute, but anyway. I know, I know. What, wait, what was your color? What color were you? I played the best friend to the Red Ranger. Well, then anyway. I'm the Red Ranger. Oh, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 you were no, on the Power no. Rangers, and you didn't... <laughs> This whole, this whole conversation ago. should have been focused on you being in the Power Rangers. <laughs> every Which, every oh. year my birthday comes up, the, the Power Rangers Twitter yeah, always throws awesome. out a special happy birthday to me. Yeah, so, so yeah, you can always find me on Twitter, like I said, on, on other hashtags or Friday Night Horror, because you know I'm a big horror fan. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, um, um, Black Girl Nerds will have like an 80s live tweet or a 90s mm-hmm. live tweet where they pick out like classic 80s movies and or 90s movies. And I just, mm-hmm. I, I enjoy the live tweet experience because I love interacting with other people with your favorite film so it's sure. kind of like you got like a whole room for of fans all over the world and mm-hmm. you're just laughing and throwing up gifs of funny pictures about the films and so okay. that's always fun so, so yeah and I'm your host Hilliard Guest you guys can find me on Twitter at Hilliard Guest shut up girl you guys can follow the show <laughs> you guys can follow the show at Screenwriters RR on Twitter um, any questions screenwritersrantroom at gmail.com and you don't need to email me about Jason. He just gave you all this information because they're still going to be emailing me. <laughs> so I'm trying to reach out to Jason. Uh, what's it called again for a moment? Filmmakingstuff.com. There you go. You heard it here. <laughs> um, if you, please go on iTunes. Give us a five-star review. We need that for the metrics. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and all that other stuff. But iTunes is the one we really want. Um, and uh, what else? What else? Shout out to all the big countries. You know who you are. Oh, and by the time <laughs> this one airs, uh, thank you for all the people who came to Comic Con in San Diego. Oh yeah, uh, I'm glad you're gone because by the time this episode comes out, you're gone. I can come back to all my brunch spots. <laughs> thank you. Exactly. <laughs> so everybody, joining with me for 2016. So you guys know how we do it on the Rant Room. On the show, we keep it real, we keep it opinionated, and we keep it what, everybody? 2016. You're supposed to join in with us, Jace. Jace is like, what? <laughs> Peace, y'all. That's good. Ciao. Let the beast about the cage That light about the dark Can you build the inferno From an itty bitty spark Coffee shop hustlers Rise with the cream A million other writers Same Hollywood dream Your pen and paper All like bullets in the gun Write what you feel Say what you want In the red room We say what we say We do what we feel We gotta keep it real In the red room
you guys are grown, let's go ahead and get in. Mm-hmm. 